In a world where mental health problems are used as common tropes in various forms of storytelling, therapist Ryan Engelstad and executive producer Mike Graham try to determine what lines up with real life and what is just exaggerated fantasy. Listen as we delve into the fantastical tales told about mental health in books, movies, and television. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad here as always with my co-host, executive producer, and Santa's number one helper, Mike Graham. That is me. Here I am, ready for the holidays, rocking and rolling all night long uh, with uh, the reindeer and the elves just, just going right at it. What do you think about that? Uh, I, it sounds great, Santa. I, I called you a helper, and you did not go into an, an elf voice. So, um, <laughs> well, uh, well, here's here's the deal. Uh, you're probably wondering what's going on with my voice right now. A little bit. Well, you see, uh, after last episode, I got to thinking about the sound of my voice and how much I'd really like our show to be on radio. And I figured the only way Pop Psych 101 is ever going to make it onto the radio is if not only Ryan, who clearly has a very amazing, buttery radio voice, but I needed to up my game and join Ryan's rank of radio voice. Well, I got to be honest Mike, with you, Mike. If this is what you think is going to do that, I'm concerned for you and our listeners. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just, <laughs> I was playing around. I got a little sound shifter that I used in the Ferris episode uh, to say, oh yeah, really deeply. So yeah. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to do that to you last time, but... Small doses, small doses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just actually, I really figured that was a good way to mention the idea of radio. It is. T tell our listeners why we are interested in talking about radio, Mike. <laughs> okay, well, everyone, uh, we do have some really exciting news, and that is going to be... That Ryan and I show Pop Psych 101 has just signed on to work with a satellite radio station called Real Life Radio. We are going to be on Dash Radio. Uh, and going forward, we will still be podcasting as normal, but now we are also a radio show. So it's incredibly exciting and we're overwhelmed, um, excited and stunned. Yeah. If you're listening to us on the radio, hello new radio listeners we're really excited hello. to have you <laughs> uh let us know if you prefer prefer mike talking like this hello this is mike or this how's everyone doing today this is a nice sultry voice <laughs> yes please trust your instincts and and tell mike exactly how you feel <laughs> no it, it's really exciting so we we're going to be on dash radio if you don't know what dash radio is yet they're installed in gms ford and teslas but the cool thing about them is that they come installed in these cars now and it's free. It is so free. So you never have to shut the service off, and you get to just get curated music, just like the radio in your town, but you can take it across country. Yeah, it's it's a really cool thing, and we are incredibly lucky to even be considered, but not just considered, accepted and brought on board to one of their, I think it's five or six talk show stations that we're on, and it's called Real Life Radio. Yeah, super exciting. Um, obviously, we've talked about our goal for this show being to spread you know, our message and our two perspectives as far and wide as we can. 
So the opportunity to be on the radio where we can be broadcast around the country, if not the world, uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if that's true or not, but um, I'm just going to say it because it sounds nice. Yeah. All the better. <laughs> yeah. We're very grateful for everyone at Dash Radio for this opportunity, and we hope to justify your faith in us. Absolutely. And uh, just a little bit about the station we're on, Real Life Radio. If you are just casually browsing through the channels right now and you're catching us on, the station you're listening to is a wellness, health and wellness station. And the entire point of it is to provide something for people during the day uh, to provide calmness thinking and focus and tips and tricks and nutrition and tips on mental health. So uh, that's why we're lucky enough because we do talk about uh, the real life struggles that people face. And but we like to put them in the lens of popular culture so that we can all relate to them. So very exciting. Yeah. And that leads us to what we're going to be talking about today, which is we're doing a holiday special episode. There are so many good holiday movies. And we talked about doing some of the generic classics, but it's sort of hard to pull out specific mental health stories from, I would say, the majority of them. So we're going to we're going to pick and choose both with things that we like and with some listener questions that we've been happy enough to get. Yeah. And it's also like there's so many good Christmas movies and everyone has their favorites. And it's just kind of hard to say, let's do this on this. And. And then we got to talking and thinking, you know, one of the biggest things people deal with around this time of the year is family issues, family issues, holiday issues, just general holiday time. So, yeah, we're going to kind of go over that stuff. And I think we actually even have a couple of questions for each other. Yeah, well, it's it's good for our listeners to get to know who we are and, and <laughs> how our perspectives differ in that sense. I'm not a real person, Ryan. Well, it's it's too late for that, Mike. You're you're you've shared far too much that the listeners already know how real of a person you are. Okay, okay, I can handle it. You have questions for me, I have questions for you, so I'm excited to get started. We're going to share some of our own experiences and thoughts about the holidays, so let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Let's go. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe. Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Okay, here we are today is a special Christmas episode. Ryan and I are going to be answering listener questions today, but to start things off, we didn't want to jump into other people's lives without jumping into ours first uh, in hopes that you guys do get to know us a little better, but to also show that that we can be there right there with you guys too and hopefully uh, make this something that people can learn from. So Ryan, to start things off, I, I got a couple of questions for you. 
One of them is a deeper question, and the other one is sort of light. Which way would you want me to go first, sir? Let's ease our way in. Let's do light, and then we'll build our way up. Okay. So first question I got for you, do you see an impact on your profession around the holidays, like number of people coming into your office? Do you see an impact on the moods? Do they change like drastically? Do you see common complaints, that kind of thing? So I would, and I wish I had like specific numbers, but just from sort of anecdotally, my own experiences, we definitely get more referrals. They sort of start to peak right in the middle of the school year. So that's like midterms or Halloween-ish in that area. And then they, and, and again, in my experience, kind of go down in the thick of the holidays. And if you think about it, it makes sense. You know, if you have Thanksgiving coming up or even Christmas coming up, you are going to say to yourself, much like you would if you had some minor physical problems that you didn't feel like going to the doctor for, you know what, I can wait to start therapy in the new year. Sure. Yeah. Or I mean, even like you need to get an oil change, but you're like, I'll just push it one more month. Exactly right. Like I can, I yeah. can get to, I can get to work for another week. Yeah. So that's why we, we see the big peak right after New Year's, whether you think of that as New Year's resolutions or people just coming off of these sort of intense family experiences and really recognizing that they might need help or, you know, frankly, family confrontation that might happen over the holidays. Yeah. And, you know, people telling other people that they need to get help to the extent that that happens. Well, the first thing I thought of when you said that was people tend to go to seek help when they are really hitting the bottom, right? Well, yeah. And, and I think the one of the best comparisons is going to the dentist because you can kind of convince yourself that you don't need to go to the dentist, even though you sort of know you're supposed to get regular checkups. But people almost always go when they have mouth pain, like when it's worse than they can remember it being or when it's painful enough that it's like, oh, this is noticeable every day or noticeable every time I eat. So I should go get checked out. And it's similarly the way people handle mental health problems. They can go a long period of time feeling like it's sort of normal pain or normal struggles. But then when things get really bad, like sometimes they do for people during the holiday season then it's that wake-up call of like, okay, I need to to get checked up. I need to go sort of see if this is something that's serious or not. So as far as like putting together the, you know, you said there's not a lot of data, it's your personal experience, but like as far as to help confirm your personal experience, I had asked, are there common complaints? So are you getting like at the new year, do you have people that are with more family-related issues or are they complaining about the holidays, these kinds of things? Yeah, so it's not so much complaining about the holidays as it's couples coming in, families coming in. So it's something about the holidays yeah. sort of really brings these issues to bear where it's like, okay, we've put this off for long enough. As soon as the new year hits, like, let's go into couples therapy or let's go, son, you finally have to go get checked up about your anxiety or addiction issues, whatever it might be. Right. That sort of confrontation tends to happen especially when you spend a lot of time with people and they they might start to notice things that they didn't notice or wouldn't notice if they didn't see you so frequently. So as a therapist, would you recommend to somebody who is hitting a point in the middle of the holidays, let's say right now, it's like December the 4th today as we record, if someone was noticing right now, they're thinking, I have to talk to someone, I have to, but I just am going to wait and get through this holiday, like what would be your recommendation there? 
Well, my recommendation is that you don't know that getting through the holiday is just going to be this easy, manageable thing. And wouldn't it be nice if you could start building some consistency for yourself to make the holidays themselves easier? I mean, we know, as we're going to talk about with our listener questions today, the holidays are a stressful time for a lot of reasons. So if you're already prone to depression or anxiety or even seasonal affective disorder, the holidays are not going to make those things easier. Best case scenario, you know, all this lovely time spent with family is, is going to be just the best kind of support and everything's easy. But that's just not the case, I would say, even for most people. Yeah. And, and speaking from my perspective, as far as going into therapies and having different counselors, I can tell you right off the bat, when I see somebody, let's say I did one of the bad things I'm not supposed to do, which is discontinue therapy. And I've done this throughout my life. But the times when I finally get back in, it would not have mattered when it was. I am so relieved to talk to somebody yep. that like you see them the first week. There's a lot of anxiety there. But then as soon as you see them, like you realize like what a relief it is just to talk to that third party, unbiased, educated person that you're looking forward to that second week already. So, I mean, in, in my opinion, it could only be actually a boost to get to help you through the holidays and then to continue that consistency. Absolutely. So, yes, the holidays are a stressful time for people, and sometimes it's easier to just sort of grit your way through it. But, you know, I, I talked before about New Year's resolution being something that, that sort of pushes people to change sometimes. But in research, they've found that if you start your New Year's resolution before the new year, you can kind of get those first mistakes out of the way. Mm. And then you're much more likely to hold on to the sort of consistency of the new habit. Yeah. So great light first question. I'm going to raise the stakes just a little bit Uh with a question for you. Okay. All right. Shoot. You and I are both parents. Yes, sir. And have kids under the age of five, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I have a three-year-old boy and a one-year-old little girl. Yeah. So the holidays take a big shift after kids. My question for you is, as a parent, how have your holidays been affected, for better or worse, having children? Oh, better. And I'll put it this way. So I'm a Christmas guy. Like, think of all the Christmas people you know, and they're not me. I am I am the Christmas guy. I had to, like, fight my wife <laughs> because, like, Christmas for me starts right after Halloween. That's not too soon. I, I don't think so. <laughs> But over the course of growing up, you know, Christmas is this really huge magical thing when you're young. And as you grow older and alone, and this is I'm talking about before I was married, Christmas becomes Christmas season becomes a holiday season becomes this. Yeah, there's a lot of loneliness there. I never I wouldn't say I ever felt lonely, but like that, like magical part of it fades away. And that's okay. It's a part of growing up, I think. Uh, I did meet my wife, and Christmas became a better thing. That It was amazing that I could celebrate it with her. We started our own little traditions. But now that we have children, it's become this thing where it is so cool to watch it happen through their eyes and see their eyes light up. Like right now we're doing Elf in the Shelf. Sure. With with Ben, yeah. And he wakes up every, and we didn't know if he was going to like catch on to it or, or like it or understand it. This morning he said, 
where's that elf? What, what, uh, what funny thing did he do? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just this whole new experience. And I think in two ways, it's really nice because you get to re-experience your Christmases as a kid, you know, vicariously with your children. But also, uh, it just reminds you constantly that these things are that cool. So, you know, they are that cool. They are that neat. They still are that magical. And it's just, for me, it's been nothing but positive. Awesome. What about you? Definitely similar to yourself in in some ways that um, you get to sort of start your own family traditions, which has been really exciting. Obviously, I incorporate some of my own from my own childhood, the ones that I really enjoy. But you also get to start new ones. And even as it happens tonight, my wife and daughter and I all got our real Christmas tree and decorated it. And that's, you know, a really special opportunity. Ah, you guys, you guys do the cut down tree. No, we don't, we don't cut down. We buy, you know, we, we buy a real tree, but it's already been cut down. I've never done that before. Okay. See, that's what we do. We go the day after Christmas or the day after Thanksgiving, we go down to the Christmas tree farm and we saw one down ourselves. Well, good for you. (laughs) Ours come (laughs) pre-sawed. And dang it, it's happening. And we got to be there by 9am. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so I have... Gonna go dive down a little bit deeper okay. here. Uh, yep. Another question for you. So you've mentioned on this show before about a move that you made as a kid from your childhood home to a new town. You talked about that it was a big effect in your life as far as just the way like you saw things and you know stuff that you had to grow and and learn and part of your learning and growth had this in its background. As far as that move is concerned, from your childhood home to your new town, how did that affect the holidays that followed that? It's interesting, and, and I don't think I, I did not share this, but the actual time of year and the day that we moved was something like December 14th or December oh. 15th. So you're saying the the holiday that followed was the holiday? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. So we moved in the middle of my seventh grade year in middle school. And I'll never forget, and, and I, I love both of my parents very dearly. I want to preface this with that. But our, our house was getting packed up, obviously, to get moved. And we had a school concert, as most schools do. Like the kids go sing, you know, all the Christmas carols for the parents mm-hmm. and blah, 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 right? So we had that. But our, like, fancy Christmas dress clothes for this event had already been packed. And my mom could not find them. Oh, no. So, and and I feel terrible for her telling the story. Obviously, it wasn't her fault, but just the fact that this right. happened to her as a mom, I can't right. imagine. Because and she loves you, and you've said before, you're oh, like, yeah. you know, none of this is your fault. Oh, mom. no, no. And they've, they've right. done it. And, then, and, and that's, that's the second part of the story, which is that she immediately, like, took us out to Macy's or to, you know, wherever to get the, the fastest pair of black pants and shoes and white shirt she could find for everybody, sent us on our way, and, and really... I don't even know if we were maybe a couple minutes late, but it was, you would have never known. <laughs> so I mean, that's it's almost like this own little memory in itself. Absolutely is. And, and I think it's, it's really uh, reinforcing for me that yes, we had this painful move, but my parents really did everything in their power to make it special for us. Mm-hmm. You know, so we moved to a small beach town in New Jersey and like immediately both had new fun traditions like and, and new haircuts 
Yeah, of course. Like right away, you had to you, <laughs> you had to cut the side of your yeah, head. yeah, yeah. Uh, so we had a, immediately we had new beach traditions, and then we also definitely maintained a lot of those same Christmas dad going to buy a tree traditions. So they did an incredible job making Christmas and keeping Christmas really special for us. I only have the fondest memories of Christmas um, following the move. So I think that's to their credit. And I, I know we have some questions later about traditions. I'm, I'm happy and looking forward to talk about that because my parents did such an incredible job. It's something that I want to maintain for my own family. You know, as you get older, these holidays can wear on you. Like I was talking about earlier, th- that magic feeling might leave, you know, because of that child wonderment sort of fading as you get sure. older. Yeah, yeah. But like the the conscious decision to make something special can still make something special. Totally so agree. I, I just think that was an excellent thing that your parents did. Yep. Agreed. Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> All right. I'm uh, I'm scared about this next question for me. Well, it's it's <laughs> you asked me something personal. So I, I and you shared earlier as we've been talking today, the bipolar piece. So in acknowledging so how much you love Christmas. I still sort of find myself curious how your mood is affected during the course of the holidays. Obviously, there are a lot of ups and I don't want to say necessarily say downs, but like I'll just say ups and then lulls in activity and Mm. busyness. Well, I think, Ryan, working as closely with me as you do now with the show that you've probably noticed stuff just as far as even my responses uh, and frequency. Um, so yeah, no, it's, you know, it's tough because at this time of the year, I, I have two times of the year that I really feel affected the most. And those would be, uh, the end of summer. And then this time of the year seem to be heavier one way or the other. Uh, but yeah, even with my love for Christmas and the holidays and snow, and I really don't know what it is. Like I am always trying to grasp onto that like nostalgic feeling mm. um, really badly. Like I really try to, like I'll start a fire and I try to just sit there and take that in and, and I don't know what I'm looking for, but yeah, there's a, there's a big dip uh, around this time of the year. And, and it's crazy that you asked that question about my kids because before my children and my wife, of course, but before that, I mean, there was a lot missing mm. around this time of the year. Sure. And, um, yeah, just trying to, trying to get it, but it's never been like, I need to get through this. It's always been for me trying to purposely make things special. So I, I would say the mood, the moods dip a little lower than normal around this time of year. Yeah. So, and, and I guess being able to notice that pattern to a certain extent, you can sort of prepare for it. I am terrible about that. Okay. (laughs) I am learning to get better. I am, I've been the best in my life in recent years about continuing therapy and, you know, staying on medication that I need to be on and this kind of thing. So yes, as far as those things are concerned, there have been times where I'm able to use like a coping mechanism that I've learned in from like either group therapy or my current therapist. And, and yes, so yes, there are things that I take out of these sessions that I have that come into play. Uh, but I need to still learn how to, like you said, prepare ahead of time a little better. 
Okay. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think that's something yeah. that, that we're going to talk more about as we get into some listener questions. So I'm excited to do that. All right. So we're going to start here. We're going to start with uh, listener questions. So guys, we do have a group on Facebook. It's actually turning into just a really great place. as a support place. It's a chat group centered around not even really our show. It's kind of hosted by our show, but I mean, they kind of run with it on their own, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. It's great. I, and not just because I don't have to post things myself, but it's just great to see these conversations happening, whether we contribute to them or not. Right. Yeah. This is, it's become this thing. Like I started it. I wanted a place for people that like our show and they like Ryan and they tolerate me <laughs> and, <laughs> and they come and they, they're able, you know, Ryan gets on there and he'll offer advice and all sorts of things. So anyway, if you, we do listener questions every episode, uh, but this is a whole listener question episode. But if you want to join that conversation, go to Facebook, search Pop Psych 101 Mental Health Chat and join that group. You have to send a request and we'll let you join and just just start talking to people. Everyone there is awesome. So that being said, Ryan, I'm going to go ahead and jump in deep, elbow deep and get going on these questions. Let's do it. Holiday themed edition of listener questions. All right. First question up is from Connie. Connie says, how do you not hurt people's feelings that want you to come and be a part of things, but they make you feel like trash the whole time? Then chicken neck behind your back. Then when you refuse their invitation, you are mean. I'm too old to play any games. I may have a tendency of being too blunt because hints don't work. But when you had your whole family drug over the coals just because you have a difference of opinion, it's old and I get blunt and have been hateful. I feel that necessary to protect my family from small minds with narrow opinions. My family is different, yes and no. But regardless, I am not going to conform into someone else's anymore to please anyone. Basically, kiss my butt. You know what? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Is that wrong of me? Okay, so to just answer the question the way it finished, no. It's absolutely not wrong of you, because really what we're, what we're talking about here is to sort of having to either adhere or not to this sense of family or friend obligations around the holidays. And it's very common for people. You know, you may not want to see some or all the members of your family for whatever reason, but you, you do it anyway, because you know that if you didn't go... They would talk about you or there would be other sorts of drama. And that's that's true. Those dramatic things may happen. So really what's being weighed here is can you cope with the knowledge that other people's feelings might be hurt? To sort of emphasize what I what I started saying is that no, it absolutely does not make you a bad person to honor your own feelings and honor your own intentions in refusing or, or not being interested in seeing these people who treat you this way. A lot gets said about, you know, blood is thicker than water and you sort of have to honor your family or honor your parents, especially this time of year. But for me, especially when it comes to mental health, you have to honor your boundaries. And to the extent that you have created any, it's an opportunity to do that. Because, you know, unfortunately, you could probably say, you know, I have the flu and nobody would question whether or not you came out to a Christmas Eve party. Oh, the flu. Oh my gosh. Take care of yourself. Stay home. 
But if you were having a panic attack or having anxiety or having a, a day of depressed mood, I would say most people would still feel obligated to attend, even though that was the case. So oh, I'm not, sure, yeah. I'm not, I'm not implying that Connie is suffering this, but, but it's the same sort of thing, is that if you're having any sort of feelings or emotional experience, it is absolutely within your right to protect yourself. And, and I would even say that that could be your first priority. Like, I think it's best for both parties in that situation. Even, even if the other party doesn't think so, you're causing them stress even if they don't know it because of whatever view they have on you. Yep. In my, my view, the end result of you not going is better for both parties. Absolutely. And I think the other question that would come up in therapy is, if the relationship is important to you, will the relationship survive this conflict? Now, my hope would be the answer would be yes, that even if I don't come to Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or whatever, because I don't want to deal with this drama, we'll still be mother and father or, or you know, whatever the relationship might be. That relationship will still exist. So their feelings can be hurt and either they will get over it and you can maintain the same relationship that you've had or they won't. And that will say a lot about the relationship as well. All right, so next up, uh, we have Lori, who's asking a holiday work question. Lori is a postal service person and is experiencing one of the heaviest times of the year, obviously. So her question uh, concerns her supervisors, and this goes like this. What's a good way to deal with a huge micromanaging boss? He's really a big you-know-what. It's either his way or his way. Whenever he is there, everyone is edgy and snappy. When he's not there, everyone is calm and carefree. You can really tell a difference. Our job is stressful enough as it is without him always looking over our shoulder. Yeah, so, you know, the, the sort of micromanaging boss, especially around the holidays, can be pretty overwhelming, I would say, for people. Obviously, depending on the type of work that you do, I would say for most people, it's sort of expected that that the pressure or intensity can ramp up during this time of year, even if that's just because you want to be able to take a day or two off, and that could add to your workload. So in, in coping with the micromanaging boss in this situation, to what extent can you set boundaries with a boss? You know, I think it's a fair question to ask, because if you feel like you can't, then that's a problem. And actually... I'm going to I'm going to relate this to a movie. The the questioner uh did not bring up a movie in particular, but I'm going to. And that's Elf. Buddy the Elf's biological father is a editor or book publisher. He works yeah, for he's, right. He's a he's a book editor, yeah. And his whether we consider him micromanaging, but his sort of ornery boss wants him to work on Christmas Eve. And now, I'm not suggesting uh, that the listener do this, but as you see in Elf, Buddy's dad basically tells him to shove it. Like, if you're going to make me work on Christmas Eve when I would rather be with my family, this is not a job I want to have. Now, that's not a solution that everybody can take, but it is a boundary that you can set. And if you think about it in terms of what would I want to model for my kids, I, I often, and maybe it's just because I'm some sort of a new dad. I do it too. Yeah, but like if my daughter had a job, how would I want her to advocate for herself to a boss? And I try to emulate that in in a way that I would want her to do it as well. It's It can be harder to sort of acknowledge our own needs, whether it's I don't want to work on uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas week, you know, whatever it is. 
being able to say like, this is what my needs are within the context of this job. And either you as my boss can accept that or not. And, and I, I understand like not everyone has the luxury of being able to kind right. of set those boundaries, whether it's due to fear of losing that job or having hours cut. Like I totally understand that. But unfortunately, when it comes to, to self-care, these are decisions that we have to make. Do my needs come first or right. do, let's say, the needs of my family come first because I have to have mm-hmm. income? And like that's a crappy decision to have to make, It's a, yeah. but it's reality. Yeah. Okay, so next one coming up uh, is from Anonymous, and their question is, in Love Actually, the movie Love Actually, Daniel is grieving the loss of his wife, who was the love of his life. At one point, he calls a friend and cries on the phone. The friend, who's played by Emma Thompson, is obviously uncomfortable and tells him basically to buck up and stop crying and get on with his life. This is obviously not the appropriate way to handle this. What is the right way we can handle those loved ones of ours who are handling grief during this holiday? So you're absolutely right that Emma Thompson's characters, the way that she handled it, is not the best way. And that's because it's extremely invalidating. Now, I, I should also acknowledge that it's unfortunately a common response to someone who's sort of struggling. It's just like, come on, snap out of it. Like, you can do this. You're better than this. And it's like, as a therapist, it's like the worst thing um, to hear that someone has experienced that because... I, mean, I, th- I think those people have good intentions. Absolutely, they do. They don't realize what they're saying to the person says, your feelings don't matter. Or, yeah, your feelings don't matter. Or I don't think what you're feeling is as bad as you say it is. It's just like completely minimizing. Even worse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the first thing to do is just to, to validate, which is to say, you know... I know this is a hard time for you. You know, a very simple statement like that is going to allow the person to even either increase their vulnerability so that they can share maybe the things more specifically that they're struggling with. So in Liam Neeson's character's situation, he's sad, he's grieving, whatever it is, but maybe the thing that he's more presently struggling with is his relationship with his son and how to um, sort of connect with him despite going through this grief. And that's like a real thing that maybe his sister, right, Emma Thompson's character, could actually help him with. Like there, there's actual solutions or advice that that she could offer that would be helpful. But you're only going to get to that talk if the if the feelings are acknowledged first. All right, all right, sounds good, guys. We're going to answer more listener questions coming up in just a second. But first, we're going to take a quick break. A quick break to talk about Sanomind. Sanomind is an app available for iOS and soon to be on Android that serves as a mental health wellness platform, connecting you to audio content created by licensed mental health professionals. You can listen to audio content on a vast array of mental health topics and learn more about your favorite contributors. Sanomind hopes to be a resource for people who don't have access to mental health therapists in their area. So definitely check out their app. And now back to Pop Psych 101. Okay, and we're back. We had a lot of really great questions up front there. I, I hope everyone got what they were looking for out of those answers, but a few more left to answer. And then uh, something little fun thing that Ryan wanted to do here at the end of the episode. So we'll get moving on. This next question from an anonymous listener. How do you introduce new traditions with grown children who are men now when everything they knew of the holidays are gone? I've been through myself as a young adult and somehow managed to do it. But 
my kids were babies and didn't know the difference. Now we're doing it again, but somehow I feel things are coming up short. They say it's okay, mom. Everything is great, but I can see it in their eyes and I can feel it too. Looking for advice or adjusting to new situations and new traditions around the holidays. The grieving is somewhat over, trying to put our pieces back together. So Anonymous is asking, hey, I have grown men and I'm trying to piece back together a holiday that's been kind of messed up from what she's mentioned. It looks like a passing of somebody. So their family's been messed up. And now how do we do this? They're already adults. How do I change things now? Sure. So I think this is a really important question because it speaks to both like, how do I communicate my feelings to grown men? And also, how do I make something special again after a loss? Right. So for me, it's, and I realize that this is sometimes difficult with grown men, but being able to just sort of own your feelings and to say something like, kids, guys, sons, whatever, whoever the people are, I want to do something different this year. I want to do something where I feel like I can reconnect with some of you guys. I want to do something fun. I want to do something that honors our loved one. If that's, you know, whatever the emotion is, just being able to own it and be able to say, you know, guys, I've been really feeling whatever it is, sad, lonely, confused, frustrated with how we haven't been able to connect or with how we haven't been able to communicate or or share these holidays as much as we used to really own that feeling and and if your sons or or family members don't or or can't connect with that can't accept that then traditions are not like that that stuff's not going to matter because this is what's important is the relationship you know the traditions come only when the relationships are working and the relationships are working when you're comfortable being emotionally honest with yourself and with your family or loved ones. So that's always where I start is being emotionally honest about how you're feeling and being able to share that with other people to the extent that let's say reconnecting is important, how we can introduce new traditions to reconnect. So I'll share something my family started doing recently. We call it, I guess everybody has like their own version of the white elephant gift exchange. Yeah. So we just started doing that um, recently, but we put a wrinkle on it, which is that the gifts have to be something you find in your attic or basement. Oh, that's cool. So, and now it's just like, like something you haven't touched yeah, in years, exactly. but maybe it's super cool. Exactly. And maybe it's something you're re-gifting because you hate it and you don't know what to do with it. <laughs> or maybe it's something that like, I don't have any use for this, but somebody else might. And I'll never forget last year, like somebody was re-gifting this weird as seen on TV pizza oven thing. And they were like, I'm never going to use this. And then my brother-in-law got it and uses it all the time and talks about how incredible (laughs) it is. It's like, that's now a moment that we have that we didn't have before. You've made a new tradition. Yeah. Yeah. So it's totally possible. Okay. uh, Next up, we have another anonymous question. As a wife and mom, I feel very pulled in multiple directions during the holidays. With divorced parents and in-laws, everyone wants us to be everywhere. If I had my way, we would keep it simple and spend time with the side of our family we get along with the best, have the most fun with, and are closest to. However, because of guilt and the need to please everyone, we often find ourselves going in 17 different directions, making our holiday stressful and busy. 
I often wonder what the right thing to do in this situation really is. Choose to spend our holidays with our children as we wish or suck it up and make everyone else happy. Yeah, so this is a common one, I think, because you're really having to make the decision, as the listener just stated, between your needs or desires and the needs or desires of others. And for me, it really comes down to the guilt question, right? Guilt, and then when we act out of guilt, the sort of shame or disappointment or frustration that comes with that. Being able to make the decision to sort of honor your own feelings, as I mentioned with the previous question, if you do that, can you apologize? Because that's what, how do we, how do we fix guilt? You spill milk, what do you do? You feel guilty about it, and then you just go on feeling guilty about it forever? No. You clean it up, you apologize to whoever's kitchen it is, or whoever's milk it was. That table. I'm sorry, table, that I spilled, my, I spilled on you. And then it's <laughs> over. The problem with family stuff is that it sometimes doesn't end because of things like blame and shame and, and, and anger. But if you're able to be satisfied with your decision and amend or make amends to people who may be disappointed or upset, you're going to be much happier with your decisions. So to the extent that you can, and this in some ways maybe connects with new traditions too, every other year we spend Christmas at home or every other year we have family come see us. Whoever wants to come see us can come see us at our house, but we're not going anywhere. You know, you're completely within your right to make adjustments in a way that's going to sort of honor what you'd rather do. I don't know how you feel about that, but like for me, it's, I, I, no, I, it's a, I yeah, I, I'm right on with that. It, <laughs> I can't say it any better. <laughs> I'm sitting here just going, man, I'm, I'm going to be way better at the holidays next year. Well, yeah. Cause I, I, I mean, as a uh, father of a daughter, who's the first grandchild, I should say only grandchild on both sides of our family. Like we know that everyone wants to see her. And we obviously love both sides of our family, but it's hard to travel sometimes. So, right. you know, we we try to make things work for everybody. Sometimes we trade off holidays. Sometimes we sort of shift holidays. We get through Thanksgiving, two Thanksgivings, all these sorts of things. And and we do that because we love both sides of our families very much. And it's not out of guilt. But but I'm I guess what I'm saying is that I know that people do act out of guilt, and and in some ways that's okay. But knowing that if you're doing that, it's also the kind of thing that can create resentment. Okay, next up is going to be our last question, last listener question of the episode. We're getting long on time. Uh, this one is from another anonymous, uh, and that is just so everyone knows, when we do ask questions on this show, we give people in the group the option to message us privately or just say they don't want their name set on the air. However, anonymous asks, when the holidays are especially hard because a very close loved one is no longer with you and you are struggling with grief, loneliness, and anxiety, how do you get the support of your family, especially your spouse and older children? When all of this is overwhelming to the point that you feel like you are just going to break, how do you make the closest to you household members understand that they must pick up some of the slack to help relieve some of the burden. Yeah, so this obviously is a, a very specific question, and this is you know a situation that I'd probably process more in detail with someone if they were my patient. But I will say that when it comes to grief, it's so important that you're able to kind of have some of those old routines 
And those old routines might be, you know, self-care, household chores. But when you're dealing with grief, especially as we talked about in our grief episode, you know, the sort of depression stages, you might not be capable of handling chores. You might not be capable of doing things that, that you typically do. So it's in those moments that it's absolutely important to be able to, I think, practice a little bit of vulnerability, as, as we've talked about before on this show, to be able to acknowledge this is how I'm feeling. So I'll give, you, I'll give you a specific example. A lot of times with people who have anxiety, we'll talk about specific communication practices and assertiveness communication comes up a lot of times when we talk okay. about boundary setting. So assertiveness communication sounds like this. I feel blank when you blank. I need you to do blank. Hmm. So this is a very specific way of acknowledging just enough of what your emotional experiences is and making a specific request from a person. Because as we talked about with some of these other questions, people don't always know how to help or even know that you need help. Right. So for you to be able to be assertive with your needs is going to be the most likely way to get those needs met. I do exactly what you just said. Uh, so people, like as far as my experience, and I'm just relating this to the way I've experienced things, when I'm having a hard time, my go-to support system always tends to feel the need to try to fix it when I'm talking to them. Mm -hmm. And I have finally learned how to stop and say, I feel this way and I don't need you to say anything. Yep. <laughs> I don't need you to fix this. I need you to let me vent and then we can move on. Yep. Great. And it works because you tell them what they do because it is so hard to know. I mean, even as someone who deals with this stuff, I've had people family, friends, especially after starting Pop Psych, they call me call me up. And I don't necessarily all, always know what to say. Of course, I'm going to try my best, but sometimes they're not really wanting to hear what I have to say. So it, it is important to be upfront with what you're looking for. And just as Ryan said, uh, in the way he put it, you know, set that, I don't know if you want to call it a boundary or or just lay down how it how you're thinking. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I think. I always worry if it's well said. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it is it is a boundary, and and you know during the holidays we we might be less inclined to sort of take ownership of the things that we need. You know, it's like you don't want to be selfish, blah blah blah. But for me, it's like it's even more important during this time of year to to know what your needs are, not so you can get them met necessarily by other people, but just so that you can protect yourself. All right. Well, we are running out of time, Ryan. So. Normally at the end of every episode, Ryan and I rate whatever movie, book, or television series we're covering on a scale of one to five for accuracy and also for enjoyment. However, we don't have anything to rate today. So Ryan, I think you said you had a little diddly you wanted to do. Yeah. So I have a couple of, uh, I don't know if we would say famous. I have a couple of Christmas quotes from various uh, media that <laughs> I wanted to share with you. and connect some dots as as well as I can. We could think of this as this week's version of overanalyzing with Ryan. Okay, so we're going to do overanalyzing with Ryan colon Christmas cheese. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to share a quote and then I'm going to give you my mental health lens that I'm viewing it through. Okay, okay. I'm going to, I got to start the segment off though. I'm going to say the title and then we're going to have a, a, some fun Christmas music under it. Let's do it. Okay, so all right, everyone. Get ready 
Get your ears tuned up, put them headphones on, and check out Ryan's Overanalyzing Christmas Cheese. Seeing is believing, but sometimes the most real things in the world are the things we can't see. From the Polar Express. <laughs> oh, I'm going to love it. I mean, All right. yeah, so, so right there is like one of the most common Christmas sentiments, right? Seeing is believing. The, the connect the dots that I'm going to make is that seeing should not have to be believing when it comes to mental health. But unfortunately, we often don't believe someone's struggle until we really see it at its worst. And that's like the saddest thing for me as a therapist is like, you can't just tell someone you're anxious or depressed and they will immediately know what that means and, and validate you. You have like, to, oh no, we need to get you help now. Yeah. You have to show them that you're in the midst of a panic attack or you have to show them that, you know, you, you haven't gotten out of bed or bathed in three days. Like then yeah. they, because they've seen the sort of depths or the worst of the worst, then they'll believe you. And that right. just sucks. It does just suck. And, and a lot of times too, a lot of families don't get there until there's been something even worse happening. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay, ready for number two? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Am I supposed to be laughing at these? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to make these as cheesy as possible. All right, give me, give me that Christmas cheese. That's what Christmas memories are made from. They're not planned. They're not scheduled. Nobody puts them in their Blackberry. They just happen. <laughs> the Blackberry. The Blackberry got me, Ryan. Wait, can I guess the movie? Oh, please. Okay. Nobody puts them in their Blackberry. I know this one. Is this from, oh, what's it called? Um, we talked about it earlier. It's the British one. It's not Love Actually. It's oh. actually from a, a slightly lesser known um, movie starring Danny DeVito called Deck the Halls. Oh, uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I believe so. Yes. Great movie. Yep. Yeah, getting the chopper. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got one. Or in the sleigh, you know, in this one. Yeah, get in the sleigh. <laughs> so Christmas me memories are not are, are made. They're not planned. They're not scheduled. So people with anxiety around this time of year struggle with the fact that things are not planned. They're not scheduled. And, and I can relate to this to a certain extent. Like, I wish that things were a little bit more structured in the holidays and I could just know exactly what's going to happen I could know exactly like these gifts are going to go over with these people just fine and I don't have to worry about anything, but it's kind of chaotic and I completely like empathize with people who for the holidays, it's not necessarily this like wonderful, happy time, but that it is kind of stressful. I have to disagree with you, Ryan. I okay. love, I love the just randomness. I love a person calling me and being like, Let's have a sweater party. Let's get together. But I love doing that stuff. But what I don't like the most is what weighs in on my opinion here. And that is that my wife is, I think, a lot like you in the fact that she is a preparer down to the T, to the minute. So her Christmas conversations start with me about what's going on during the Christmas season around August. Mm. Mm. So. You know I love Christmas, but August is too soon to talk about Christmas. I would agree with that. <laughs> All right, what's next? <clears throat> Let me put on my, a, my cheesy Christmas voice. You gotta switch gears. 
The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. I love that one. It is a nice one. That's Elf. Will Ferrell. Of course it is. So just real quick, mental health wise, the best way to get your Christmas needs met is to make them very clear to everyone around you as often as possible. What if your Christmas needs are like a new car? Okay, well, I'm not talking about like uh, property needs. <laughs> I'm talking about like mental health, emotional okay. needs, uh, or, or certainly or physical needs to a certain extent. Okay. So you're saying wear that on your sleeve. Like, yeah. Let them yeah. know. Own it. Yep. Yep. Own it. Awesome. All right. Do you have any more cheese for us today? I got, I got one more. Okay. Okay. I'm sad, so. Okay. Make it last. Okay. <laughs> okay, this is extremely important. Will you please tell Santa that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back? Uh, Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin. Very good. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, wow. That's a huge one. It is. So... And, and I wanted to end on family because a lot of our questions sort of touched on this. But, you know, as, as wonderful as family is, you know, we touched on this, uh, this idea of guilt. The family you choose is much more powerful than the family you are born with. And that, those two things can be both. You can both choose the family you're born into and uh, be born into them and, and want to spend time with them. But you're going to feel much better about yourself and less angry and resentful if you do the things that you want to do. And it's not saying like, screw everybody else. It's saying, this is what I need to do. And if that hurts anyone, I can apologize and make up for that in the future. But I won't feel bad for doing the thing that I want to do. Mm -hmm. So whether you want prisons this year or just to see some family members you haven't seen in a while, we here at Pop Psych 101 hope you get what you ask for. Absolutely. Happy holidays to everyone. Merry Christmas. You know, wh whichever way you want to hear it, I hope it is just good for you this season. This has been a really great experience for Ryan and I uh, so far. So it's nice to be able to reach out to listeners and, and answer questions and hope that they can help them in their daily lives. But that is all the time that we have today. And like I said, if you guys want answer, listener questions answered, go ahead and go to Facebook and search Pop Psych 101 Mental Health Chat. I do want to thank Kevin McLeod for providing our intro music. Kevin McLeod has awesome royalty-free music, and you can find him at incompetech.com. Ryan, as always, thank you for talking to me every week. Thank you, Mike, and thank you, listeners. Uh, we are happy to have you and hope to continue producing good content for you all. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Thank you, as always, to my co-host and executive producer, Mike Graham. If you like the show, please check out our social media pages. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and YouTube at PopPsych101. We are specifically on YouTube for our fans who may be hard of hearing. We also love hearing from our listeners, so if you want to give feedback or suggest something for us to cover, you can email us at poppsych101 at gmail.com or join our Facebook group. PopPsych101 is not only a podcast, but also a radio show. You can find us on Dash Satellite Radio on the Real Life Radio Station. If Dash Radio is not installed on your vehicle, you can download their app on Android or iOS. For the podcast, we are on all major distribution channels, so please rate, review, and subscribe where you can. We greatly appreciate it. For Mike Graham, I'm Ryan Engelstad. Thanks for listening to Pop Psych 101.